I will be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Good morning. If you would, uh, please turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. That's where our lesson's going to be this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 2. In this uh, book of 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to uh, Timothy. Uh, that's where it gets its name from. Uh, Timothy is working with the church at Ephesus. And Paul has left Timothy at Ephesus and gone on uh, in, in various other travels. And he gave Timothy a, a job while he was there. Uh, he says, I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia to remain on at Ephesus to encourage certain men not to teach strange teachings or pay attention to myths or endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God which is by faith. Basically I think that's a way of saying the church there I want you to make sure that people who are leading them astray and teaching false things they're that there's a stop put to that uh and that they actually focus on what actually matters which is like god's house law god's uh, purposes for the church which come by faith he timothy has a tough job because it seems that there are uh, other teachers and other uh, people in there who are trying to lead the church in directions that are further from God. And Paul wants Timothy to try to lead them back to the right and proper focus. And the way that he's going to do that, he, uh, he tells them, this is chapter 3 and verse uh, 15, he, that he's writing to him so that they will know how they ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So when you read through 1 Timothy, he covers quite a few different topics. Uh, he covers a lot of different areas of focus, but the basic idea of the whole book, I think, is this. There are some people trying to turn the church's focus in this direction, and I want you to make sure that the church is actually focused on God. I want you to make sure the church is doing what God wants the church to do. And so as you go through the book, he, he covers a lot of different areas for what that's going to look like. But right at the beginning of chapter 2 is like where he starts his list. I think it's profound that if you're writing a list of what are the types of things the church needs to focus on and do if they're going to actually be the household of God, the first thing that he mentions is prayer. In chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, First of all then, after kind of giving some, some backstory to a few things and some of his purposes for writing, he says, First of all, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and for all who are in authority, so that we may lead a quiet and tranquil life all of, uh, full of godliness and dignity. This is good, and this is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony given at the proper time. So you read through that passage, and Paul starts off by saying, look, I want you guys to be a prayerful people. Like, it matters. Prayer matters, and making sure that the church is defined as a people of prayer. 
It's one of the most important things you can do. Prayer is one of the most important things that we do as a congregation, both individually in our lives and collectively as a community when we come together. And he talks about these different kinds of prayers, petitions and prayers and, and uh, supplications and thanksgivings and, and these different kinds. And really what drew me to the passage this week was that idea of thanksgivings being made on behalf of all men. And then he also mentions particularly like some of the leaders, uh, some of those who, uh, the kings and those who are in authority. And the reason behind that is because our goal as Christians, or at least one of our goals, should be to live a quiet life, a tranquil life, a godly and dignified life. And when there are times of intense persecution and suffering, that quiet, peaceful, godly and dignified life, it can be hard to live. He says, go to God and pray about that. And one of the reasons that that's a beneficial thing is because that creates an environment in which spreading the gospel can be done uh, more, more readily. And God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And in fact, he desires that so much that God became a man in Jesus Christ. He is the man, Christ Jesus. And he gave himself so that he could represent God to man and man to God, and he can be the one who sacrificed himself so we could have forgiveness of sins. It's like Paul ends up weaving together this idea of prayer to the idea of salvation, to the idea of the sacrifice of Jesus, and they all work together because one of the the common themes in all of these verses is this concept of all men. You pray for all men or all people. Uh, You pray for all people. He says that there is one God, one mediator between God and people. He says that God desires all people to be saved and that Jesus is the ransom for all people. There is this uniting of all people together in prayer and in salvation and in the very purposes of the death of Jesus. And so he's desiring this community, this church, to have a focus that sees all people as valuable and that prays regularly for the salvation of all people and for a quiet and dignified and godly life amongst all people. And they give thanks to God for all people. It's a beautiful passage. And my plan this morning was to kind of go through it uh, and and to talk about different things we can learn. And and I kind of just briefly did that right here at the beginning. But one of of the difficulties with a bulletin, and this is just just church logistics, is you have to turn in your lesson in order, uh, in time for the bulletin to be printed. But then sometimes you're still thinking about your lesson. And, and, and sometimes you're struck with something after you've turned in what you want to talk about. And so uh, I was kind of struck this week. And as I was thinking about this lesson, and as I was thinking about the idea of thanksgivings on behalf of all people, I started thinking about what it is particularly that I'm thankful for. Uh, this is a great week for that, by the way. Um, you know, I love the idea that we have a week set aside as a nation to uh, remember the good things that we have in life, and even sometimes remember the the struggles, and find ways of uh, considering and meditating upon those so that we can give thanks. And here in this passage, he's talking about prayer and giving thanks to God on behalf of all people or for all people. But one one of the other really important things you can do, if you are thankful for somebody, if you are thankful and appreciative for the role another person has played in your life or who they are or, or that you get to see them, absolutely pray to God and thank God for that person. But also, take time to talk to that person and to let them know that. 
It's amazing how many, perhaps, good thoughts we might have about another person that they never even hear or know. It's amazing how much someone might have influenced us, and they'll never know because we don't take the time to talk to them about it. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about who am I thankful for in life? And I have a pretty good list of, of people that I'm thankful for and of things that I'm thankful for. But, and I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, very high on that list uh, is you. Um, I am extremely thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the relationships that I have with so many people here. I'm thankful for who you are and the work that you do for the kingdom. I'm thankful that my children get to grow up here and get to be surrounded by people who are good and godly and who are full of love. And my children get to see that and experience that. Like, I, and and I, I, I'm also pretty certain I'm not the only one. I'm pretty certain uh, that there are many people in this room who, if you were to ask them, what are you thankful for about the, the Maryville Church of Christ? They could give a good long list of things. And so um, that's kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, it's a little bit more of a personal uh, lesson. But what I wanted to do is I'm thinking about Thanksgiving, and I'm thinking about how much the Bible encourages us to give thanks. And in the lesson tonight, we're going to look at Paul do this very similar type of thing. Paul writes a letter to the church at Thessalonica. We call it First Thessalonians. And in that letter, he starts off by just like several chapters worth of expressing what he's thankful to them for. What he gives thanks to God about on their behalf. What, what they have done in his life that brings him thanksgiving. And, uh, and so I thought that's kind of a, that's kind of a cool thing to do. Um, and I would hate for weeks and months and years to pass without people that I'm thankful for knowing that I'm thankful and knowing uh, that for which I am thankful. And so uh, basically I'm thankful for this church. And I'm thankful for this church in a couple of ways. One of the risks with doing a lesson like this is you don't want to uh, like leave anyone out. I promise you I'm leaving people out, and I'm sorry about that. There's just no way not to. Uh, but uh, if you are not mentioned by name, which very few people will be mentioned by name, but, uh, but if you're, you know, it's, it is not a slight, I promise you. Uh, but there are some things as I was just thinking uh, this week about this sermon, thinking about what I'm thankful for that I wanted to mention. And one of the things I wanted to mention is I love the focus of this congregation. Uh, I love the, the, the many ways in which this church is focused on what I think are some of the most important and foundational kingdom, uh, kingdom areas. You know, one of those is youth. We do an awful lot at this church for youth. And we could talk about uh, the kingdom and, and what really matters. And, and I think there are times and places where we know the verse, like where Jesus takes the child and he says, the kingdom of heaven is for such as these, and unless you become like a little child, you won't enter the kingdom. Like, we, we know some of those verses, and sometimes we think, oh, that's cute. Jesus liked kids, and then we move on. But really, if you think about what he says, he actually says the kingdom is for children, and that's a radical thing to say. That's a surprising thing to say. And he actually calls the adults to be more like children. And, and when you consider this, like the ramifications of, of what, the, what the coming kingdom meant for Jesus, what it meant is the king of the universe, by virtue of being the creator, became a person, became someone who lost all authority, became someone who was ridiculed and mocked and ultimately died on a cross. That is a position of being powerless, 
It's a position of being powerless. And that position of powerlessness is one of the ideas that Jesus calls the church to have, where the first is last and the last is first. It's, it's, it's the ultimate picture of the cross, but you can see that picture in a lot of different areas of life also. When Jesus washes the feet of the disciples, he takes on the role of the servant or the slave. When, when Jesus... Uh, uh, when he calls his disciples to be uh, the servants of all, he compares them specifically to the leaders of this age. And he says that, uh, that you know, those who are lords among you and those who are rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over you. And you're, they're great men and exercise authority over you. But it's not to be this way among you. For whoever wants to be first shall be last. Like the idea of becoming powerless in order to serve others. And I think that's why he so emphasizes the children. Because the reality is children are kind of powerless when it comes to defining laws for a nation or the way things go. I mean, you, when, when people talk about uh, people without voices, you know, the children are often those who are listened to the least. And Jesus is calling those who might otherwise be able to attain power and wealth to become like children who are completely reliant on others. They're reliant on children don't have their own wealth, usually. Uh, uh, children don't have their power. People don't always listen to the voices of children. And he says, when you're thinking about what the kingdom is about, it's actually about giving up that which the world craves so much and being willing to be like a child. And so when you have a church that remembers how valuable children are, I think that's a, that's, that is uh, a beautiful thing. And, and, you know, it may also be somewhat... Uh, um, you know, uh, subjective in my view, because I have small children, uh, but I love that they get to grow up in this church that I do think, I mean, you can look at the preschool that we have here. Stepping Stones does a fantastic job reaching out to children, teaching children, showing children some of the things that matter most in this world. They have wonderful teachers, wonderful administrators, many of whom sacrifice a lot to be a part of that ministry, and it is a ministry, and it's a beautiful ministry, and it's one that both of my kids have benefited from. It's one that I've benefited from. It's one that this church and this community has benefited from. And it takes time, and it takes effort, and it takes money, and it takes sacrifice, and yet there are so many who have come to be a part of that. Why? I think it's because children matter. And that is a way of demonstrating and, and of acting out the reality of the kingdom for these, these children. I love that part of this church. I love the soul train ministry that we have here. Like, I am blown away by how much our boys learn during the soul train. We try to have, you know, Bible studies with them. We, we do, uh, you know, de- devotional Bible readings at night times a lot of times. And we talk about things and we pray together. And I love how often I hear them talking to me about things that I have not yet taught them. Uh, you know, it's, it's my responsibility, I think, as the father to, to be their primary teacher when it comes to the most important things in life, and yet it's wonderful to have so much help. They learn a lot in the, in the soul train. Like, they, they, Jessica uh, does a fantastic job with the curriculum. It's like, they don't just they don't just learn like the common stories. They learn all kinds of Bible stories. She digs into the Bible and is, does such a fantastic job of relating it to children so that like they learn from it. The, the exercises that they do and the activities they do are related and helpful and they cement in their minds the concepts that they've been hearing and learning. And it's like, it's a wonderful thing. And I love that focus here. I think lads to leaders is another. We just had, we just had a youth get up and read the scripture and lads to leaders is a large part of getting them more comfortable, uh, in taking on leadership responsibilities in the church, and I think that's a wonderful ministry uh, that the church has that uh, that so many youth get to be a part of. And if you're looking for 
a church where you can get your children a good foundational knowledge of the Bible, get them involved in service and in activities that will build them up spiritually. If you're looking for a way to help them become leaders in the church, I think this is a wonderful congregation for that. And so that's one of the things that I'm very, very thankful for with the focus of this church. And that's just a scratching the surface. There are many other things that this church does for children as well, uh, but that's one thing I love. I also love this church's emphasis on missions. Uh, there is a lot of money that goes towards missions, but not only money. Uh, it's, it's one thing, you know, and it's, about, it's an essential thing, you know, uh, to be able to, to use money to, uh, to send and to help and to, to further mission works around the world, but this church also has a tremendous amount of active involvement and engagement among the members personally as well. Uh, contributing with your funds, but then also contributing with your time and effort. People making trips to go teach, uh, uh, to go teach in, in Albania, for example. We have a good number who have gone to Albania and taught the World English Institute. And those are busy days. Those are long days. Those aren't just vacation days. Those, that's, that's a lot of work that goes into that. And we have a lot of people who are willing to sacrifice vacation time in order to go and be a part of that. Why? Because missions matters. A significant part of our budget is, uh, is given towards missions because the idea of the Great Commission and of the unifying of the whole world into the one family of Jesus Christ is central to what the gospel is, and I think this is a gospel-focused church. And if you're a gospel-focused church, you're going to be a mission-focused church. I think this church is. I think the, the fact that, uh, that I get to tell people that, uh, that WE, like the, the role that this church plays in WEI, which is the World English Institute, where you can, uh, you can travel and go to other places and teach them the Bible, or you can do it from your computer right at your very house, at your own schedule, uh, is fantastic. So basically WEI, I'm sure most people in here have heard about it, um, but it's a way for you. If you're looking for a way to get involved in evangelism, and you struggle going to your neighbor's house or starting a conversation with your po- coworker, you can like have people who are signed up right now just waiting for someone to study the Bible with them. It's people who want to learn English better, and they use the Bible as a way of doing that so that you're actually helping in the needs that they have of learning English. That's going to help them in life in a lot of ways. It's going to help them in their careers. It's going to help them in their families. It's going to help their lives. But also you're giving them the option, if they want to learn more about God and more about Jesus, more about the church, you're setting up an avenue to have those types of conversations as well. It's, it's a wonderful way to help people practically and help people spiritually, and you can do it right from your own home. And this church emphasizes that, and a lot of people here are involved in it. And not only is it a mission work that, that potentially does good things, like the good is realized uh, as there are people throughout the world who are baptized, people throughout the world who become part of their— there are churches that are set up in different countries around the world because of the work that's done through WEI. That's, that is— one of our focal points in our mission efforts here, and it's a wonderful thing to be a part of. And so I'm very thankful for it, and I also want to encourage you, if you're looking for opportunities to be able to teach the gospel to people, sign up. Uh, it, It would be wonderful for you and wonderful for other people as well. I also love just seeing how many, uh, when talking about the focus of the church, how many benevolent acts take place here. You know, there's a lot of things that, uh, that, they don't end up in the bulletin. You don't ever hear about them. But I'm up here at the office during the week, uh, and I see all day long how often Leanne is going down and getting people bags. We have a food pantry uh, that, that is used regularly to help feed people in our community. And Leanne does so much with that. Uh, whether our quilting ministry, our quilting ministry is, is an 
often an unsung hero of this church. Uh, I just helped them load like over a hundred quilts that were going uh, to, to keep people. I mean, when you think about basic human needs, warmth is one of them. And there are people who genuinely, they don't, I think sometimes if we have everything we need, we don't think about how miserable it could be to lack some of just the basic fundamental necessities of life. And some of those things are contributed to and served by a lot of people in the church. I think the quilting ministry is one of those that does a fantastic job. Uh, we, whether it's people uh, who come here who are in need or organizations that are looking to house and that, uh, to help people, our quilting ministry goes a long way towards uh, supporting and helping that. This right here was actually uh, a wonderful object lesson for uh, the sermon this morning when it comes to the, the, uh, the sack the pulpit. Each of these bags, I think uh, 144 meals have been, like Thanksgiving meals, are being provided for uh, by this church today. And uh, so everyone's invited to come back this afternoon. I think it's at 2.30 uh, to help uh, fill these up with the other building over there is full of uh, cans and supplies and food and marshmallows and things like that uh, that we'll fill these sacks with. And then from 4 to 6, we'll have people coming here uh, to... Uh, to receive them and to have food this week, uh, and feeding people during Thanksgiving. That's a wonderful thing to be involved in, and you're part of it. And it's just, again, it's one small part of a major effort that this church does all the time. Uh, Hope Central is an inner cities ministry that this church is involved in, uh, in Knoxville, that helps people who uh, very often don't have the basic necessities of life and are not... um, on their own set up to have uh, a lot of the, the benefits and successes in life that, uh, that we want them to have. And Hope Central helps educate, helps build community, it helps uh, uh, show them the goodness of God and also the goodness of a warmth and loving community. And it's something that this church is involved in. There are a lot of countless other things I could mention as well. But when it comes to the focus of this church, youth and missions and benevolence and helping people in this community and abroad, are wonderful, and they're things that I give thanks for regularly. Um, Also, not just the focus of this church, but the people of this church. Um, I'm thankful for for you all. Uh, I'm thankful for the eldership that we have here. Uh, I've said this before, but I I know a lot of preachers, and sometimes we get together and, and talk, and this is not a good thing, but I'll tell you something that happens. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys in on a little secret about what happens when preachers get together. Uh, a lot of times they complain, and a lot of times those complaints are directed about uh, their elders. Um, whenever I get in those groups, I don't really have much to say. Uh, you know, it's like I, I am very fortunate that, uh, that I think I have elders who— like, I'd say, I think, I, I have every reason to believe and to know, because I see it at the elders' meetings, I see it throughout the week, I see it in our, in our uh, group texts that we have. We have elders who genuinely love this church and the people who are in it. You know, every one of our elders, if you were to look at what's going on in their lives, they have burdens, they have hardships. They have their own struggles that they could be focused on and that they are focused on. Um, and yet, even through those, they continue to look outward to the basic needs of this congregation, to the struggles that other people. There are countless prayers that are offered. There are countless hospital visits. Uh, you know, that's, that's one thing. Uh, you know, having elders who actually know the church. One of, one of the big complaints you hear is that, you know, a lot of times the elders just expect the preacher to know everyone and to do all of that stuff. And it's like, I've been here about three years and uh, I'm I'm building some relationships, but it amazes me 
how, how well so many of our elders not only know the people who come here, but know like what's going on in your lives and know about your family members and know about your, your joys and successes, know about your hardships and your struggles, how often those are prayed for, how often those are lamented together in the elders' meetings. Uh, our elders genuinely care, and they are active, and they're involved, and they, they're service-oriented, and you don't, you don't see that in a lot of places, and it's wonderful to work with and to be a part of. Um, and so I would encourage everyone in here to try to get to know the elders a little bit better also. Uh, and, uh, and try, to, try to, to not only know that they're around, but express gratitude and thanksgiving to them. Um, I would also say I'm very thankful, talking about the people here, for the, the, the others in the ministry staff. Uh, Bert does a fantastic job. He's active, he's uh, faithful, and he's someone who genuinely loves this church. I think he's a good teacher. I think he's someone who, uh, again, he excels at knowing what's going on in the lives of other people, and uh, he genuinely cares, and he, uh, he helps, uh, and uh, he, again, he has, he has his own burdens as well. I, I believe uh, he is uh, this week, uh, you know, his, his mother's been going through some difficult times, and he's with her this week, and he has so many things in his own life to be focused on, and yet he continues to serve and to love others. Uh, Leanne, uh, secretary, and, and Diane for many, many years as well. Uh, it's amazing how much, like, if you're talking about people who are doing stuff for the church, I don't know if anyone does more uh, than, than the church secretaries. Uh, so much uh, is they are called upon to do so much, and they do it lovingly and with a good uh, spirit and a good attitude, and they do so uh, out of genuine love for this church. And it's, it is a constant encouragement and, and a challenge to me to be, try to be more like the, the church secretaries who put this church above themselves in so many ways. Uh, Jessica, I mean, Jessica, uh, the amount that she does with Soul Train and, uh, and in so many other uh, areas of the church, whether it's uh, working with the youth and, and uh, our VBS or helping with things like this. Like, Jessica does a fantastic amount and is a wonderful to, uh, to consider to, to be a co-laborer for the kingdom. Tom Langley and the work that he does traveling the world and the work that he does teaching and helping and getting things going here with WEI and then also just with the local work here. I, again, I could, go, I could go on and on about people. Um, but finally, I just want to say that all of you, like this whole attitude of this church is one that's wonderful to be a part of and wonderful to be focused on. Uh, you, can, you can name a lot of things, but I'll just give you one example. Um, we're all in this auditorium right now because of work being done on the other side of the building, and we've been here a little while. Uh, I, was, I was a little bit concerned uh, when we were first making this move over here, recognizing that's, gonna, that's going to put a lot of uh, additional responsibilities on the church here. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of additional responsibilities on the church with some, some things that are not uh, pleasant that go along with it. You know, I was concerned about the bathroom situation. There's a lot of people in here, and our, our, we have fewer bathrooms in here than we do over there. Uh, the stacking of the chairs and getting things ready for the preschool by Monday morning and doing all that. I was curious how all of that was going to go. Uh, the audio in here is, is not quite as—although there are people who do a wonderful job— uh, <laughs> with the service uh, and, and all of that. But, I mean, just the acoustics in here can be a struggle sometimes. Uh, there are things that if you were just going to focus on, on the negatives, you could come up with a checklist. And yet, I think this church has done a fantastic job of being 
positive and, and enduring some of those things, knowing that we're setting ourselves up for a good and bright future and making some really needed uh, changes to, the, to uh, what's going to take place in the other building that I can't wait to see. But just things like that. When, when new obstacles arise, you guys do a wonderful job of remaining faithful and overcoming them. Through COVID, uh, so many obstacles came up there. And yet I think this church was resilient through them. And that resiliency and that faithfulness uh, makes it a privilege and a pleasure to, to work with this congregation. And so as Paul encourages them to give thanksgivings on behalf of all men, I want to do that to God. And I want to pray to God. But I also want to let you know some of the things that I am thankful for and some of the things that I pray for uh, uh, regarding this church. Um, and some of the things that I know that uh, that is a blessing to be a part of. And, um, and so tonight we'll look at kind of what some of what's in Paul's list as he writes to the church at Thessalonica, but that's some of my list right now. And again, right now as I'm talking, I'm having other things pop up, but I can't say them right now. <laughs> but, uh, but when it comes to things to be thankful for, there is ultimately nothing greater than the gift of salvation that we have through Christ and the offer of Jesus. And uh, I want to end by extending an invitation to anyone here. If you would like to take advantage of the salvation offered through Christ, to have Jesus be the Lord of your life, to have your sins washed away in baptism, we would love to help and serve in any way that we can with that. If you have the need, please let it be known. Uh, and Come sit on the front row or meet with one of our elders in the back while we stand and as we sing.